Welcome to the Leadership Window Podcast with Patrick Jinks. Each week, through a social sector lens, Patrick interviews leaders and experts and puts us in touch with trends and tips for leading effectively. Patrick is an LSI certified leadership coach, a member of the Forbes Coaches Council, a best-selling author, award-winning photographer, and professional speaker. And now, here's Patrick. It's already week three of the Leadership Window podcast. This is episode seven. I'm Patrick Jinks, leadership and strategy coach and president of the Jinx Perspective. And we got a really cool episode today. We're, um, by the way, into this third week, I'm learning so much about leadership from so many wonderful people. It's making me think of things all over again. And through new lenses. And I, I really appreciate that. I've always been in the field of leadership, even back in high school. I was, I was in leadership clubs and things like that. I consider myself a lifelong student of leadership. And now I am learning from through this podcast, I get to learn from the best of the best. Speaking of which, um, we have on today a, uh, another, uh, new member of the Jinx perspective advisory board and I'm really thrilled about it um D.D. Wong and I met a couple of years ago a little over two years ago now at the United Nations of all places we were both speakers at the um, global entrepreneurship initiative that was held there with a number of small business leaders and entrepreneurs either launching their businesses or trying to get a refresh on their business and um, at the time, Didi was, I think, she'll correct me here in a minute if I'm wrong, but I think, you know, in terms of what she's doing now and just launching her own brand and um, her, her series of ventures that she's gotten into, she was really just getting started at that point. And one of the things we're going to talk about is this the incredible, fast-moving blow-up that her business and brand has experienced in just a really, really cool way. Uh, Didi is, by the way, a TV producer. She's a keynote speaker. She is a coach, so we have an affinity there. Uh, and she is she excels and loves utilizing media to spread her own positive message as well as the positive message of, of others. Didi was born in Hong Kong, raised in England. I think uh Dee, Dee were were you in New York as well at some for a while? I was in New York and by the way New York City the big apple is my favorite place in the whole world. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Where we met. Yeah. And <laughs> then uh and then now resides in the Los Angeles area and Dee, Dee is an award-winning uh keynote speaker as I mentioned. She's a business mentor. She's a best-selling author. And she's also an angel investor. So Didi is the CEO of the Yes Academy. I love that name, a results-driven uh, educational mentorship program for entrepreneurs. She was given the highest level award, the Women of the Decade, uh, Women, Women of the Decade for Entrepreneurship and Venture Capital from the Women Economic Forum, as well as an award of uh, achievements, recognition, and excellence by the National Council of Women from the Egyptian government. This is getting more and more interesting as we go. Um, she's also been honored to speak, as I mentioned, at the Global Entrepreneurship Initiative at the United Nations. She was the resident speaker on the Think and Grow Rich Legacy World Tour in 2019. And uh, by the way, if you want to see some of her um, production work as a TV producer, she's the executive producer of In Case You Didn't Know with Nick Nanton featuring Robert Kiyosaki of Rich Dad Poor Dad fame and another TV show, Speak Up. Both of these are on Amazon Prime Video. She has also starred as a guest judge. I've seen a number of the episodes of this. It's super interesting. A guest judge on the number one digital business show, Elevator Pitch as well as a feature documentary on her own journey as a speaker called Impact. Didi was given the certificate of recognition by Mayor Eric Garcetti. Do you, is that how you say the name, Garcetti? Yeah. Of yeah. Los Angeles for helping women entrepreneurs succeed. She's featured in the Women Who Mean Business 
article in the current in the March issue of Oprah magazine earlier this year in the fall of 2020 knighted as Lady Dee Dee where she is that has that happened yet or is that about to happen Dee Dee? Well, because of COVID, they had to push it to 2021, it's but been, it's happening. It's been pushed off. It's <laughs> happening. Didi will be knighted as Lady Didi, where she will join the Royal Order of Constantine the Great and St. Helen of Spain to further the royal initiatives, both domestically and internationally. But her real superpowers are in the her ability to manage four children, all under the age of nine, including a set of identical twin girls, as well as all her projects and clients. By the way, this is a short bio. I know it sounds long, but it's not. Like, there's what are you not doing? I think what ballroom dancing, the whole where it's That's it's right. unbelievable, and she always does it with an incredibly huge smile on her face. And by the way, you'll hear her smile throughout the uh, you can you can hear it Dee, Dee I obviously I'm just incredibly thrilled that um, that you have taken time to carve out for us to spend some time with our listeners and with me today welcome thank you so much Patrick for that great read of my bio it's always weird <laughs> well, I have to, to read it because I can't read. remember it it's so <laughs> I love it I love it thank you for that I am I'm so excited to be on with you to talk about leadership because I know you're the expert, and uh, I want to learn from you, too, as this conversation evolves. <laughs> well, I don't know about expert, but um, I'm, a, a, you know, I'm a practitioner and a student of leadership. And, um, you know, I, what I'm finding is we, we are all expert in something, and we all learn from each other. I, even even uh, I find that my coachees, the people that I coach, I learn from them when I'm coaching them because everyone has these great concepts and their own life experiences that has led to some really great perspectives in life. So we just all Absolutely. learn from each other. I always talk about being the student of the universe because I mm. think no matter who you meet, uh, because they are literally a, just a different person, you can always learn something from anybody. So I always talk to these people who, uh, you know, who are entrepreneurs and they're looking up at me, I'm like, no, 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 I'm learning from you. You don't know it. I am learning from you. And, and that's how magical it is to share and be willing to communicate uh, deeply when you have conversations. I'm all about articulation and all about communication and being willing to be vulnerable on stage and when I'm presenting and when I'm talking to clients, you know, their storytelling, you know, will tell you who they are and, you know, all the details in their stories will tell you, you know, uh, this is the person who went through this and mm. we can all learn from each other. So always go to the, I always say, go to, into the world with an open eye and, and not be judgmental. And, uh, and, and that's how you really become a more successful person. You can yeah. include different cultures and stuff. And, yeah. and listen, listen to and learn, listen, listen, yes. listen to understand and listen to learn. Mm. Probably the toughest tenet of leadership for a lot of leaders is the listening part. We think, well, as a leader, I'm supposed to tell, I'm supposed to lead. I'm supposed to be out there and be the cheerleader and the teacher. And, but really leadership is as much, if not more about listening and understanding the people that you're leading, the people who are leading you, just the, the, the entire circumstance. So I really appreciate yeah. that, that perspective from you. I call that active listening, Patrick, active listening. Cause yeah. you, can, you can think you're listening, but you're hearing and, but when you truly listen, yeah. uh, and this is such a good point in leadership, because when you truly listen and you are present to, if we're talking on the phone, then we don't see the body language, but you can actually hear when someone's smiling, when you can hear yeah. that, how they feel in their inflection. And this is everything that I teach when it comes to communication, because, you know, even if you're on the phone, you can be smiling and giving off great energy. And when you listen, you actually can ans ask more questions. And when you ask more questions and dig deeper, this is called open-ended questions, you actually get deeper into the layers and get to really know the other person. So yeah, I totally agree with you. Uh, active listening is really the part of communication that needs to be improved by all. <laughs> 
Yeah, and I have found the smartest people in the rooms that I've been in are the people who are kind of sitting back listening. And then when they have something to say, it's usually in the form of a really deep question Mm. um, that everyone else either has thought of, but were afraid to ask it, or we weren't thinking about the right questions. But here's a leader who's really listening to learn. And here's something else I learned uh, about active listening. There's there are there's lots of training on active listening, how to send cues, how to give eye contact, how to make the person feel like you're listening to them. And I read something a couple of weeks ago. I don't know. It might have been a month ago by now, but it was fairly recently. And it said, if you want to sh- if you the, the best way to show somebody and demonstrate to somebody that you are actively listening to them is to actively listen to them. <laughs> You, like, you, like you don't have to like pretend you don't have to yes. think about eye contact you don't have to think about body language if you're really actively listening those things will happen automatically and the people you're talking to will know and feel it absolutely 100 percent. Yeah. yeah well i know that um as busy as you are actually our, our both our schedules are a little tight and so i want to i want to get right to the meat of some stuff because I'm, I'm wanting to learn more about you and certainly to have our listeners learn a little bit more about you um briefly just you know tell us about your leadership journey as an entrepreneur i mentioned that you were just getting started i know you weren't just getting started but with this <laughs> particular brand and set of things that you've just you know dived into head first that was kind of a beginning of sorts. And so just tell tell us about your leadership journey as an entrepreneur, because you seem to move really fast. I do. I, I My hashtag is BDDD. And I really am fast <laughs> because of my Hong Kong pace, I call it. And before I go into the um, my, my leadership journey, I would say that it's really important for you to know when you're speaking to someone, when you're interacting with a potential business partner or a client, you know their pace. How fast do they like to work? Some people are much more relaxed. Some people are much more like get it done. I'm totally the get it done, fast response. Although I don't expect it from other people. So that's the, that's like we we live in a world right now where instant gratification gratification is like, oh, I really need to have that response right now. I don't expect that from other people. And I don't people expect that from me because, you know, I, my phone sometimes is taken by my children and they think that I read the message, but it's really my children on my phone. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so back to your question, my leadership, my leadership journey in entrepreneurship began when I had a calling in my dream on the fourth day that I woke up from a four day yoga uh, retreat, yoga conference. And I was doing yoga for five to seven physical hours. So I was really, really fit and really into the spirituality of yoga and chanting and doing med- active meditation. And then it came to me in a calling to drop everything that I've ever done, which was singing, dancing, and acting. Uh, and I always wanted to be on Broadway. Um, and that's why I came to America from England. I studied in England all my life until I was 18 when I came to America. I went to Boston University, by the way. <laughs> so, uh, really came on strong. I saw my very first tank top in my calling and I was able to drop everything and promise myself I would launch a brand new company and become a business owner, become an entrepreneur. I do not have any background in business, but I figured this is where the leadership come in. It's really in your inner in your self-esteem, in your self-worth that you find yourself a leader because you, you always have to start off being a leader to yourself before you can be a leader to anybody else. So I was, you know, with my training in boarding school, being being in all, I was in squash, I was in netball, I was in rounders, I was in, uh, you name tennis, I was in swimming. I I did all of those activities. And because of the competitiveness of sports um, and the competitiveness, I wasn't really so competitive in the classroom. I was always competitive in my music, theater, and sports. And I think that's a good thing to think about because anybody who loves sports or have an inkling to, to, to love doing work, working out, you know, we always apply our physical training on how we think and how we push ourselves to our businesses or how we conduct in our life. And I think that with my upbringing of being in all of those sports team and captain of multiple teams, captain meaning the leader of the team, um, that 
I think I, I just developed a natural instinct and natural sense of what leadership is. And so when I started Chakras by Didi, the yoga-inspired clothing company, which came in my calling, I felt just so confident in myself that, you know what, I don't need an MBA. I don't need to have gone to college to study business. It's common sense. Business is common sense. As long as you know how to plus and minus, as long as you know how to speak to people um, and, and get what you want from conversations, and which is a learned skill, which we call sales. <laughs> um, you know, it's, it's really how you conduct yourself and how you communicate. It all comes back to that, um, that subject of how do you communicate with your body language, with your facial expressions, with the words that you choose and vocabulary that you choose to string your sentences together. Do you speak well in intonation, in your speed, in, in, in your accent? And all comes into play. And as you are listening to me right now, I am passionate, so passionate about this subject. And so you probably can feel my energy. The way I speak about leadership, the way I speak about communication and my past and how I grew to become this successful entrepreneur, you can feel that I really am serious about the subject. <laughs> and that is what I'm talking about when it comes to leadership. If you have the right attitude, the right intentions going into a conversation and the right languaging, the right delivery and the right energy, that's when I think everything comes together Then you can lead and people will actually trust you, will actually follow through, will actually take your lead to do what you say um, and, 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 but I also in the languaging, you have to be open. Like I could be a great leader saying what I need them to do, but at the same time, I would be very open to, by the way, I love ideas. I love suggestions. I am not a micromanager. I want you to all feel like you are your own boss, even though you you are, I am your boss, but if you are your own boss and you treat your department you know, as if you are leading it, then I am training them to be leaders. Um, and, and, and really it's very successful in that way when it comes to team building. Wow. Okay. So, um, <laughs> yeah, as so I'm going to pause here and I'm going to just challenge our listeners. Did I, did I lie when I said you can feel her smile and her, her energy? <laughs> like, wow. And did I lie when I said she moves fast? Um, you're, yeah, I mean, your whole thought process moves so fluidly and so fast, Dee Dee. And I love, I love what you said. This has been a theme already on this show, by the way, with a couple of other guests that we've had on leadership consultants, in fact, around this idea of speed and what I've learned. Cause I'm the same way I move, I move, I want to move fast, but I spent 25 years in the nonprofit sector leading not just a team of staff but also board members and boards don't move fast and mm. communities don't move fast and so it was it was a bit frustrating for me for most of my nonprofit career to want to move so quickly but not be able to and and I it took me a while but I finally put the differentiation on which is when you are the individual high performer you can move as fast as you want but when you're a leader you have to move, you said it, you have to move at the pace of the people that you're leading. Otherwise you run off and leave them and nobody's following you. So right. that's the difference is when you're on your own, like you're starting all these projects and things when you're doing that and it's all on you, you can move as fast as you want. So my next question for you is what are your biggest leadership challenges uh, as you handle all these multiple entities and projects that you have going on, you know, how do you keep it all together from a leadership perspective? Cause you have to lead, I'm sure you've got, you know, teams of people in these different ventures, but you also have to lead yourself as an entrepreneur, um, with all these irons in the fire. So what are your biggest leadership challenges to, to keeping all that together? Yeah, it's prioritizing for sure. Uh, every project that I choose to be on seems to be so exciting and so uh, needs to be done now. <laughs> so prioritizing is something that I love talking about, uh, especially with my husband. <laughs> um, I Because we have four children, you know, organization, prioritizing, time blocking, really be a student of your calendar. This is what my mentor Dave Meltzer talks about a lot. And um, 
you know, be a student, meaning that you need to know your calendar so well that I strive every day to use my time as best as I can because I know the clock is ticking so fast and, you know, boom, my children, are, my twins are five next, next, year, next week and it's just crazy to me that, wow, time is not going slowly and I really need to prioritize. So the challenge for me would be Okay, so how can I continue to find quality time with my children? Obviously, family comes first. And um, how do I keep the foundation of my uh, marriage that just keep it really rock solid? Because I always believe that if you have a great foundation behind doors, then you can go out to be the best person, human that you can be for other people. So the challenges would be, that because I do love to say yes, I am the CEO of the Yes Academy, and I and I and I love to say yes to different projects, different you know, even saying yes to you, Patrick, to be a board member. I make sure that I actually can commit my time to the projects that I said yes to. So now my challenge is to actually say no, to prioritize all the things that I've said yes to. And to, it's almost like having children, like make sure you don't have any more if you haven't already got time for the older few, right? It's like, if you have the projects that you have already, make sure you can complete and commit to these projects before you say yes to something else that you can, you don't half ask them, you know? And, and I really am all about that. So if I cannot commit 150% to anything, I would prefer to say no. So I've actually, as an investor, um, I have had to really say no to so many amazing deals that's come my way in the last three months. I probably had at least 10 companies come and give me an amazing deck to read. And I'm, I read decks all day long. Um, and I just, oh my God, this is so good. And I can see so much money uh, coming, coming back at me if I invest in this uh, one was one one example was a, a female gaming company. I mean, the gaming industry is a billion dollar, a trillion dollars industry actually, and you know, gamers are real gamers. There's a whole new world of gamers out there. I'm not into it, right? So I'm against gaming. I don't like video gaming. I don't like people just sitting there doing that. I appreciate it. Um, so when I got that, I'm just giving this as an example uh, so that you can understand how I prioritize and what that challenge was for me. Because every duck was in a row. Every person that this guy had was perfect for what they were doing. They were all leaders in their own right. And I could absolutely see a great investment come through. But my challenge was, okay, so I had to compare the female gaming company who came to me to a youth pop group that came to me who asked me for, to a virtual meditation device that I was being asked to invest in, to a energy drink that I was asked to invest in. I had all these different companies come to me. All of them were just like, oh my God, these are great companies. But I actually had to say no to all of them. Um, so, you know, that is definitely the challenge for me because I love saying yes. Um, and, and time management is indeed uh, something that I put priority on. And I actually do sit down, look into my calendar and work out my hours, work out my 30 minutes or work out my time for, for actually taking care of myself as well. And that would be another challenge so far in my seven month quarantine time. Um, you know, being able to find time for self-care. Uh, Bill Gates said that, you know, he takes, uh, I think it was maybe at least a month away outside, you know, when he literally flies it to an island and he doesn't turn on his phone for a whole month. It may even be longer than that. But what stuck to me was that he talked about alone time and that is his creative time. And this is the time I love, I'm actually very much uh, an independent, I'm a Gemini, so you know I could be really effective in groups, but I really need my alone time. So my challenges have been prioritizing my projects and time, but really finding my creative time where I can read and inspire myself and sit down in complete silence. I don't even turn music on to reflect 
um, you know, we go on, the, on so many of these Zoom calls and I tell my husband um, all the time, you know, you'd go on these calls and you're active interacting, right? But then you, everyone needs that wrap up time where, you know, after a project or after a call, you have all these ideas, you absolutely need that at least 15 minutes to kind of decompress and think about what you just discussed in your call and actually follow through with whatever emails you may have promised the other person to do. And those are all alone time, creative time, follow-up time that I'm talking about that I am, I'm struggling a little bit to find because of my children being at home, homeschooling, as well as on my projects right now and finding time with my husband, which has been like the last priority, I mean, right now, because we just cannot leave the house. So I hope I have answered that question. Um, you know, if you, are, if you are finding challenges, but make sure your calendar is right. Uh, that would be something that I would advise on. Well, you've opened up a whole lot of doors we could go down, actually. <laughs> um, uh, one of them, you know, I, I, some of the things that, that um, I have said frequently to the organizations that I coach is, number one, if everything is a priority, nothing is. So, you know, you really do have to pick the things. Um, it's an economic principle. Everything comes with a trade-off. We call it opportunity cost and you can't do it all. So you have to select the things. And what's difficult is in strategic planning, for example, which is where I spend a lot of my time with nonprofits, it's difficult for, uh, for groups to understand that strategy is as much about deciding what not to focus on as it is what we are going to focus on because particularly in the nonprofit sector we want to do everything you know oh there's a grant for this we can go we can go add this program we can do this we can do that let's add more marketing let's add and and when i hear all of these great ideas from nonprofits i often have to stop and say okay well what gives what are you going to stop doing to make room for all these things that you're talking about? Because you can't do it all. You have to prioritize what you're doing. So I love the way you said it. I also, let me tell you something else I love about what you didn't say. <laughs> and I don't know if this was intentional or not, but this happens <laughs> to be just sort of a principle of mine is you didn't say manage my time. Mm. You said manage myself. Mm. And because you can't manage time, time is what it is. It's moving. It ain't going to stop for you. It's not going to slow right. down for you. You can't create new time. You can't manufacture an eighth day of the week. So, when, <laughs> oh, I wish. <laughs> so, so it really is about managing yourself and determining in yourself, uh, what that looks like. So, uh, man, I, I love all of that. Um, I am curious because of your, um, very broad life experience in different cultures and parts of the world, you know, from Hong Kong to England, to New York to LA, that's like two different countries right there. Um, so what, what do you, what would you say about what have been your observations about differences in leadership philosophy from culture to culture, from place to place, as you've gone along this journey of, of experiencing many different things. What are the differences in, in leadership that you've experienced? Oh my gosh. I love this question because I love talking about culture and we can so learn about each other through our cultures and being Chinese, I am full Chinese, uh, but I grew up in Hong Kong and in England. You know, Hong Kong is really such a magical city in the way that I talk about pace a lot. It's our, really, speed is such a great topic to talk about. And I'm going to use this topic to answer your question. In the speed of how people work um, in all these countries I've lived in, Hong Kong is truly very, very, very fast paced. It's all the way extreme to the left, right? And, if you go to a supermarket, the way they would cashier you out and bag you out um, compared to the way they cashier you out and bag you out in, uh, in England or in LA um, is a totally different ball game. <laughs> One would be uh, the speed of, you know, if five is the scale, five would be Hong Kong and I would say two would be LA. And that's, you know, and, and that's really giving you an idea of uh, how much faster things happen in Hong Kong. And that's probably why people ask me, Didi, how do you manage it all? 
how do you balance, you know, your work and your children and your personal life, all of that? It's probably because I work at the Hong Kong pace. <laughs> I really do. And maybe even my thoughts, as you can hear me speak, my mind is like, all over the place. At the same time, it is still organized, right? My, my thoughts run so fast, like Hong Kong people, but yet I am still not mumble jumble and disorganized and I can still clearly define my ideas. And that's really very much Hong Kong. People there expect things to be done and they are uh, more of integrity, I would say. They, they're not as flaky. Uh, if they say something, they will do it. Uh, that's my experience. And in England, it's slower, uh, and people are not as friendly, but they are true to their word. So in England, you know, they, they say you make a friend, but you make a friend for a lifetime. In America, you make a friend, you're probably friends for two months, six months, you know, shorter term, because people are so out of the gate friendly. And, and this is not to put it down, by the way, because I chose to live in America. This is the country that I love actually the most out of all the ones that I've lived in. And that's why I've kept, kept being here. Um, so what I'm trying to say is not to um, demote you know, Americans, but it is just a different way of life here. People are very upfront friendly, uh, quick to make business happen. Um, but the follow through and the integrity is lacking a little bit, I find. Mm. Um, and of course, all of my uh, experiences are all personal and my opinions are all through my experiences. So I hope I'm not you know, generalizing, you know, but, um, you know, New York, of course, it, it's as fast. It's definitely fast. I would give it a four out of the five. Uh, people are hustlers in, in a good way. And um, they, they, you know, they get around town. They don't have to be in a car. They, you know, run or walk. I, I like the pace of New York very much because of the non-car culture, actually. I'm talking about the city of New York rather than the suburbs because that's where I lived. Yeah. So I actually love, out of all the places that I've been to and lived at, uh, New York City is my favorite place to live in terms of how people conduct themselves, uh, I feel like it's so metropolitan and international there that we have all the different paces uh, because there are so many Indians, there are uh, Asians, there are you know whites, there are blacks, there are so many different types all mingled together. And, and that's really who I am. I really am so inclined to love the international-ness of, <laughs> of New York City. Um, and you can control your pace there. Hong Kong, if you cannot keep up, you you really feel like, oh my God, you're not getting stuff done. Like people mm. get stuff done. LA is so relaxed. And already for a lot of uh, sub uh, people from the middle America come to LA and say, LA is so fast paced. I'm laughing sometimes when I hear people say, my God, LA is such a big city, it's so fast paced. And I'm like, oh my God, wait until you go to New York and wait until you go to Hong Kong. <laughs> well, I'm in um, Columbia, South Carolina. And on your scale, I would say we're a 0 0.24. <laughs> you know, I mean, it really, it's everything is relative and right. it's what you're used to. I'm curious as to you, you, you bring up an interesting parallel. When I asked the question about leadership culture differences, you went straight to speed. And here's what mm -hmm. that makes me think is there's a book, one of my favorite books, actually, um, uh, by Stephen M. R. Covey. So Stephen Covey of, of the seven habits fame, this is his son. And he wrote a book called The Speed of Trust. And, mm. and in it, he gives an economic formula for trust. He says, when, when trust is high, speed is fast and cost is lower. And when trust is low, things slow down and cost more. And I love that. And he gives love a lot, he gives a lot of examples around it. He gives just a ton of business examples and just global event examples but I wonder if you see that link in your experience. Is trust higher in in Hong Kong than it is in LA? Is you know yes. do you, do you find there a link between speed and trust? Yes, I really love that thought, Patrick. See, I'm learning from you. As I said, um, I do think so. If you think about people sending out proposals and waiting for you to answer, you know, just in general, right? Uh, the faster you act, 
that there's more trust. So it absolutely has that great equation in there. For me, it's in Hong Kong, it's so fast. It's because people have that trust and have that um, discipline and also have the, uh, I don't know if it's because it's the Chinese culture, just when you say something, it's true and you, you do it, you know, that there's definitely a trust element in there. Mm. And that, that makes me really think that that could be the reason why people are, or, or if I'm just thinking like, as I get, as keep thinking about the cashier, people working really fast to get you out the door. It's all about making money more and making money faster as well. Mm. Like people go into restaurants, they, they order, the food comes, and there's no lingering. They, they, you know, go in, eat, order food, eat, and then bill comes and out, out the door, right? Yeah. And, and I feel like it's really the turnaround time, the, the, you know, and, and you know when you go in, you trust that the food's going to be good. You know exactly what you want. That is the kind of idea I'm giving out for Hong Kong. It's really like well, that for the, all the little cafes and all the little side street restaurants like that um i'm trying to make it kind of an understanding in not just business but in the general everyday uh you know happenings of 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 the life there um and i i do think it's also the people the employees work faster because they know you know the bosses are all about turnaround and coming in and coming out and, and getting it done and all of that as well so that's hong kong for you LA is definitely not like that. <laughs> it's it's fascinating because I'm picturing. Um, tell me, tell me if I have this right. It sounds to me like, yes, it's higher trust, but really, it's just it's an expectation. You're it's a given. You're yes. expected to move at this pace. You're expected to, to you know if you say it, you're expected to do it. There is no you know it just it just is. It's the it's the accepted yep. norm. Right. Right, and and people respect and they're scared of their bosses a lot in Hong Kong. <laughs> I don't know what it is. The leadership uh, out there, it's of a little bit more uh, a differentiation between a higher hierarchy, right? There is a definite, if you are the boss, you will act like the boss and you will be put into your place. That's definitely a more of a hierarchy there. Here in America, even if I'm the boss, I'm still very friendly and we might go out for drinks. We may go out for and hang out socially, you know, so it's, it's really a, a good topic to talk about the difference between leading and being friends with people you're leading or leading and is keeping that separate and being the, the profession that that's your title and that's your profession and you don't mingle with your employees. I think Hong Kong is definitely the latter uh, of, of the two. I think so too, just based on the limited experience I have had with Chinese and Chinese American leaders in companies where I've coached. So um, where I've gone in and done maybe employee engagement, coaching and met metrics in companies, um, we, I, we've come across through my work at Leadership Systems, we've come across um, some companies that are um, uh, either Chinese owned or led, or there are um, Chinese American. Uh, there's a strong Chinese American presence on their on their um, in their C-suite, and I, I've I think I've noticed that that it is it's yeah. all it is all business. It is yes. it is business business business. Relationships happen somewhere else, sometime else. <laughs> like that that's yes. different. And family is of course incredibly. Uh, a, a huge value from what I've found too. But, it, but yes. here, what's interesting is that the number one driver of employee engagement is an employee's relationship with their immediate supervisor. Yes. So not, not the CEO necessarily, but with their immediate yeah. supervisor. And I think the balancing act is that it doesn't mean we're best friends Right. But it also doesn't mean we just live at an arm's length all the time. It means we recognize each other as people. We know a little bit about each other's lives. We connect as humans, not as, you know, sort of robots on a mission. Yeah. And so it's this balancing act that you have to perform. But at least here in, in the United States, and I, I haven't lived elsewhere, so I can't speak to this from firsthand experience. But here in the United States, that relationship, we say that people join organizations, but they leave managers. So, you know, if they don't, if they don't have a strong relationship with their manager, um, they're, they're going somewhere else because they need yeah. that. People need that in their, in their lives. You've experienced that? Absolutely. And, you know, more and more, I've been doing business in India as well. Um, 
you know, with my involvement of the Women Chamber of Commerce of India, um, I am I am seeing that even though they laugh, sometimes they laugh at Americans saying, oh my God, they're so quick to make friends and they're just, and, and, and it actually is uh, the thing that they love us the most. And I'm saying us now as me as an American, um, because they actually love the fact that we are so open. So when I go back with the American way, they just love me because I am so quick to give somebody a hug smile at them and treat them like they are human and friends before going into business, right? Whereas the very normal way in Hong Kong, you walk in the door and it would be very business-like. You're going in the boardroom and hi, I'm this, hi, I'm that, shake hands. Didi, when did, when did you leave Hong Kong? Well, I, I was sent to boarding school at the age of nine, but I was back and forth, back and forth until, I mean, even now, I'm back, going back. My parents are still there. My younger sister is still there. My older sister is in Malaysia. Um, so I, I, I'm, I go back at least two times a year, and then my parents come to me. But, you know, obviously not not including 2020. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I, 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 I still talk to a lot of my friends in Hong Kong. And so I understand, continue the culture because they always complain to me, Didi, oh my God, you're so lucky. You know, uh, you're, 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 America's, everything's so much more relaxed here. We work, we literally work till, I don't know, 10 p.m., go home, take a shower, go to sleep and start all over again at 7 a.m. I mean, that is a robotic, like, you know, time clock that they have on these employees. Mm. And they, are, they long to have the freedom that I have. Um, and, but yet they laugh at me when it comes to household stuff, like every, almost every family in Hong Kong that I know, they have a maid, in-house maid, right? Or, or driver, you know, whereas our babysitter, you know, for me, I don't have anyone who lives with me, you know, and I, I love my privacy and they can't fathom the idea of how can you not have help at home? <laughs> wow. You're a superwoman. You know, they really, like, all my girlfriends, they just cannot understand how I, hands and feet, still take care of my children, um, yet they all, you know, all have a, a help. So I, I'm, I'm diver I know I'm diverting the subject, but that is another topic that is in terms of the cultural differences. Um, you know, my privacy is so important to me that I can be, who I am in my house, yet they can have a maid walk around and, and you know, they, they, they're, they're still leading their lives. And I don't know, it's an interesting cultural uh, difference as well. Yeah. Well, <laughs> here's why I ask about when you left Hong Kong is I'm curious as to have you, let's see, how, how do I want to say this? When we met at the United Nations, I think you were the warmest, most outgoing, most personable person there. And I'm talking wow. about from, I mean, you were, you, I, I, you worked the room the way you were, you know, just at the lunch tables and just how we met and your, your interaction with all the other speakers and with the audience. I mean, I, I, it just, you know, you radiate. And so that, but that's not, but that's not what you describe about the Hong Kong culture. So what I'm no. curious <laughs> is, have you, did you find that you just, you just never really sort of fit that? culture in yes. that way or did you have have you just had to really work on it you know here like what how how has that been no patrick you you know it, you're definitely a man who walks the walk and talk the talk so i i really admire you for that the way you're listening to my conversation with you is totally a hundred percent active listening let me just tell you that because well you're interesting <laughs> you have great things to say <laughs> But I've never been asked this question, and I, I and I've been on the, hundreds of podcasts, you know. And I, I really thank you for asking me this question. I've always been innately a bubbly, happy kind of open person, and that is probably why I did not choose to go back to Hong Kong to live. Because if I did, I would be first off living under the shadow of my parents. Both are very uh, well known in Hong Kong. My dad is one of the top attorneys, defense lawyers, criminal lawyers in Hong Kong, I would always be addressed as Ching Wong's daughter, most likely. And if I had any success there, it would also be, oh, maybe because she is Ching and Alice's daughter, you know. So, so, so you know, for me, it's, 
it was really truly letting me fly and having my wings and let me lead my life. That was, you know, the, the very much the independence in me that I learned from being in boarding school. You know, the boarding school raise, raising of me was teaching me to be independent and not rely on anybody. And actually, I'm very much like that with my husband, too. I'm very independent and, and I never rely on him to do anything, even though the partnership is really good and um, communication is really good. Uh, but yeah, I, I just I think you've nailed it. You know, I without even really thinking deeply like that. I think I didn't choose to go back to Hong Kong because I fit so much more like a glove in America because of my personality and because of everyone I've met in America. Just I feel like I'm, I'm warmer to them than I am warmer to my friends in Hong Kong. I don't know what it is. It's just my personality. And by the way, I just recently invested in a personality test <laughs> company. Uh, it's called the Genius Key. And it really further uh, proved to me the person that I am and uh, how I am accurate with knowing who I am. So I do, I do think personality tests are great because you get to really know who you are because if you know who you are, you can go out there and lead in a much more positive way. So there's still tied into the leadership topic. Um, it's knowing who you are and really doing everything possible for you to get yourself aligned with yourself. So you're not lying to the world. You're not pretending to be friendly when mm. you're not a friendly person. You know, like you touched on that earlier. Um, and and putting on a face, that's so exhausting, right? You know, the, the, I was on a panel recently called, um, the, the theme was authenticity. And I said, the first thing is like, Didi, can you introduce yourself? Tell us about you. I'm like, before I introduce myself, I just got to say, I love the title of this panel, Authenticity, because that is truly the one word you can describe Didi Wong. And how exhausting is it for you to not be yourself? How exhausting is it to go out there and be somebody else and then come back in the house and be yourself? So why don't you just be yourself wherever you go? <laughs> yeah, well, that, <laughs> right? that's more common sense, just like you said business was. <laughs> well, I think people can be authentically out of touch with themselves, too. You know, so wow. there's uh, being authentic is one thing, but being aware, you know, in executive coaching, for example, we spend a lot of times on leaders blind spots. And this mm. is this, by the way, is why we why you do the assessments and we do them in our work, too. We have the psychometrics and we have the 360 assessments so that you get feedback from what are the other people sensing about you and how do they perceive you? Yes. Because you you might not be aware of how That's you right. are projecting and coming off and so it's i don't know dd maybe maybe leaders can do so much pretending to others that they actually start convincing themselves and so they're lying to themselves as much as anybody else and you can you can become almost I don't know. I just called it authentically out of touch with yourself, but yeah. that self-awareness is really key because that's you take that and then you say, "All right, now everybody else is not like me. Every now that I'm aware of myself, I now have to really be aware if I'm a leader, I've got to be aware of others where where are they coming from? What are they going through? What are their bents? What are their values? What are their experiences? What's their speed as you say? Um, so I, I love that. And I, I know we're winding down on time. I want to ask you a question that I'm asking, uh, everybody that comes on this show. And that is who were maybe the one or two leaders in your early life or career, um, that helped shape your view of leadership, good, bad, or otherwise, what, what made them the leaders they were and the, and had the, having the influence on you that has shaped your view on leadership today? Yeah, for sure. My teachers in my boarding school, um, I talked about the being the captain of the sports teams earlier. Uh, I think as I was nine years old, 10 years old, 11 up to 18, being involved in as a captain of the netball team. Every time we had a game, we would come back to the board as a sports board where um, the captain, where the teacher the sports teacher, uh, Miss Mitchell was her name. I remember mine. She would put recommended, uh, commended, sorry, not recommended, commended uh, in, in red letters next to the name. Commended means that you did 
great, especially great in this game. And I remember always after running from snacking after the games to, to this board, just wanting to get that commended word next to my name. And uh, more often than not, she would put commended uh, because I always put 150% when I play these games and I would always hurt my fingers and stuff like that. But, you know, I remember Miss Mitchell really was a very, very much um, somebody who showed me that I was a great leader. And uh, because she put that word commended next to my name, it verified that I was doing great. And that's building confidence day in, day out, every single week, every Saturday, when we go out on these games, you know, it, it, it just verified that Dee Dee's doing well. Oh, my name is Minette back then, my real name, you know, Minette's doing really well. And, you know, she's commended again. And when I don't get that, I will strive to get it again, you know? So, um, we, we, we all know sports is so real in our lives, you know, especially in America. And if we can actually really use the sports metaphor again to, to really run our lives, I know that has really put a big, big dent into my confidence, a good dent um, into my confidence, like how Didi grew up in sports world, being a leader in, in, her, in her teams, um, that has really shaped me as a leader today. Um, so that just gave us all a little picture into your drive for success and accomplishment is that you, you were, well, no, really you were, you were incentivized your teachers, particularly the one that you're mentioning, um, was separating not, not for any, you know, uh, discriminatory purposes, but was separating the students who wanted to strive for excellence from those that didn't, I mean, yes. isn't it? I mean, that's, that's really what it is. You want, you wanted that commended by your name. So it's like, yeah. I want, I want excellence. I want the best. That's a, that's a really neat peek into your, uh, into your mindset of what, what makes you who you are today. And I just, again, Didi, I'm, I'm super thrilled that you're on, on the program. Um, I uh, I wish we had more time. You will be you will definitely be a repeat um, guest. We'll have you we'll have you back on. But as we wrap this up, um, what would you quickly say is your number one piece of advice for leaders? I have two quotes: love yourself. I know it's you know people say it, but you know I truly mean it. Love yourself and be your own best friend. If oh, you can wow. be com com completely comfortable with who you are, without anybody doing anything or giving you any of their time you will be you will do really great in the world how beautiful and talk about walking the talk dd you really do inspire me um thank you so much um thank folks thank you thanks for tuning in folks later on in the week we have steve gobel he's a john maxwell coach and small business coach in pennsylvania and actually around the country as well so uh and then we've got tim ervelina later on and i'm not even going to start telling you about tim uh but he's one of my closest friends and is still teaching me so much about leadership lots to come on the leadership window thanks for joining us we'll see you later